is it octopus or octopi? <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of James Bond movies throughout uh, my time. <laughs> <laughs> if you get that joke, like and subscribe. <laughs> Send us that six-star review. <laughs> Welcome to Casuals of Rutera, episode 50-5-0. I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hetch. God, I just hear the number 50 and, you know, just gray hair just pops out. Yeah. I mean, we, we, listen, we still got time to get to that number uh, on our own. <laughs> we're still young. We're, so, we're still young. We're doing it, though. We're doing it. And we're doing housekeeping up top. You can listen to us everywhere. You know that. Follow us on TikTok for clips and Twitter to keep up to date on the latest episodes. That's the best way. That's at Podcast Core. That's C-O-R. And you can send an email to podcastcore at gmail.com. Same name. Uh, leave a like, follow, and a short review slash comment. We always like the six-star review. It's not that hard. Uh, just give us a little bit of a little bit of your time. It helps us out. Helps us spread the word uh, that discoverability babies. What we're always talking about, uh, and tell a friend to keep watch on the bloody waters and listen to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. Yeah, yeah, clean. All right, that's the episode. That was pretty right. good. I felt good. Okay, was strong. Catch us next week, everybody. <laughs> All right, run the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna run three minutes of ads real quick. <laughs> Oh, state of the game. Uh, state of the game. So I'm still not playing anything. I'm, I'm so. You okay, monster. so this is what happened. I, I already know what happened, but tell me. Tell yeah, me. You're I'm going to lie a bit. Okay, yeah. I'm playing Final Fantasy 14, but I'm going to lie a bit. So I, I got to the point where I'm like, oh, I'll wait a bit. But after watching like Swim stream his stuff, watching people, like reading articles, people talking about this set, having the Sentinel event line up with this event to make it more cards, I was just like, okay, now I'm so intimidated. <laughs> that I'm getting cold feet. You coward. <laughs> you absolute coward. Well, here, I, I'll tell you about my ladder experience so that you could have a little less cold feet because Please you do. can't do as bad as me. All right. So um I have been trying to ladder <laughs> with a very bad deck. Um I'm playing a a yip aggro lineup. Oh my god. So <laughs> But it is it is Bilgewater. It's Bilgewater with uh, Piltoverans on. Mm -hmm. So I am running like a one of of Reaver's Row, which is one of the new landmarks. Okay. And it gives plus two plus one to fearsome units at the end of its countdown. But it you know it's a countdown in a semi aggro lineup. Oh my god! So a, that's already bad. Uh, but. <laughs> Like the the games that I've won have been off the back of a uh, jagged taskmaster, like mm -hmm. that that getting dropped down to a two mana card. Um, that's also a three two, is very much a a godsend. But but yeah, yeah no, the, it's not a good deck. I I either just but is it it, fun though. Oh, it's a ton of fun, okay. and it's also like my preferred method of like if I'm going to. If I'm actually going to spend time trying to ladder, this is how I want to do it. Yeah. Which is, you know, turn one play, turn two play, turn three play. My turn four play is big. 
And my turn five play, I should either be set up to kill you or I'm set up to leave because I have no more cards in hand. So, yeah. it, like, it's it's perfect. It's like, bam, bam, bam. Okay, we're done. Yeah. Whether I win or not, we're done. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. Uh, but there, there's nothing like getting a fizz to become a 7-6 with Fearsome. Like, that is a very satisfying feeling. <laughs> fizz made it uh, pretty high on Swim's uh, tier list. If you guys haven't watched that, it's a good. it was a good stream. Uh, it was bound to happen, and people are unhappy because that's how tier lists work. <laughs> like, you do, there's no, there's no. Listen, I'm part of the FGC. There's no world where you make a tier list and everybody's like, "Yeah, that's right." No, yeah, that's right. Doesn't work like that. Everybody's pissed. Yeah, um, no, everyone gets mad. Also, I forgot because I said I was going to give you some crap as far as being a coward uh-oh. because it's not just playing 14. You're also a shameless net decker. And I also know for a fact that Jiori Senpai hasn't put something out there yet that has spoken to you. And this is officially a Jiori Senpai podcast. So that's why you're not playing. You can't expose me like that. (laughs) That's so rude. That's so rude. Main topic, Monster Hunter. Let's get into it. Take us off. Take us off of this. He's going to edit that out. I already know it. All right, so th- we're we're talking about Monster Hunter. So we're gonna start with the PS2 game before it became the <laughs> PSP. All right. Um, so monster, the only Monster Hunter that has been coming out as far as in Runeterra, we're talking about Pike. We're 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 looking at some lurky boys today. Um, but before we start looking at some of the minions, well, let's take a look at what what spell are we gonna talk about? There's only one spell if we're talking about Pike. And that's the list, all right? And if your name's on it, stay out of the waters. Stay out of Bilgewater because Pike is coming for you. So the list is a zero mana, slow speed spell. Grant an enemy vulnerable. If it already has vulnerable, the strongest ally starts a free attack challenging it. Um, So I... I only have one thing in my notes here, and I have it twice. Zero mana. <laughs> Zero mana. Like, any any spell that has any kind of decent effect, that zero mana is going to be good. This card is zero mana. And, like, even at, like the worst payoff of it is that you grant a unit vulnerable. And, like, it specifies a unit, so it's not saying, like, a follower or anything. You could give a champion vulnerable. So, especially if they're playing something backline heavy, like uh, Azir or something like that, they're not safe with the list. If their name's on the list, they are in, they're in trouble. And, and this card opens up a archetype that can be really fun, right? Because it's so flexible, because of how it has the alternate condition for vulnerability... That says, okay, well, now I can start playing around with, you know, uh, um, scout type behavior, or I can play around with um, attack token triggers, um, or I can play around with vulnerable decks um, in the streamer region. Like, there's a lot you can do there with just this card. So, it's, I mean, obviously the flavor's there as well, uh, but that is, the, the only bad thing about this card is the image. It is a piece of paper stabbed into a desk underwater right like a sunken boat think of it like the dock a piece of, a sunken of paper ship. yeah uh-huh 
The list. How do you, it's it's the it's a picture of the list. But yeah, how do you cross out a name under one? <laughs> I do, how, do we not know how ink works in this universe? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> uh, well, of course, for our purposes, like the flavor text on the card is a direct quote from Pike. All right. And that quote is You've got a name, and I've got a list. <laughs> and it's underwater. And it's underwater. And you cross it out with the blade. All right. Like you just <laughs> cut it out. You just cut it out. All right, so that's going to take us over to the follower. And the follower plays a very important part into Pike's story, actually. Um, while also not being a, a true character with a name. So today we're talking about Jawfish. So the Jawfish. Nolans. Nolans, y'all. <laughs> All right, and the the Jawfish is a eight mana creature that is two seven with lurk y'all right. already know y'all already know and I, I i put a question mark there because it's like you know it, it is an eight drop so technically it could be a little bit bigger but when, you, <laughs> but when you look at the ratios when you look at them ratios it's like yeah yes i we're in georgia we like the peach we ain't that picky <laughs> all right now all right now. <laughs> Ooh, lord have mercy i'm getting the vapors all right and so yeah, so dumpy stamp, bam, yeah. slap it on there. Uh, the jawfish does have lurk, and on the play, each lurker ally strikes a random enemy. Um, we talked about this before with cards like uh, like bloody business. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and the idea of having a one sided strike. You know, that asymmetrical damage instead of just being a straight up fight is something to acknowledge like that is it, that can be very board swinging. And in a lot of cases, it can be game winning. And if you haven't played against a uh, a lurk list yet with Rek'Sai and Pike, uh, you haven't played. Uh, that's just a fact like there's plenty of people that are that are playing it because it is an archetype that just kind of builds itself. But it. Those things get big, all right? Like, this isn't going to be a 2-7 when it hits the board, all right? this That's just facts. Like, th this thing's going to be striking one-sided for about, like, six damage. And if there's anything else on the board, they're going to be striking for a crap ton of damage, too. So, it it is something that you have to acknowledge. Like, even if people aren't mainboarding it, the... um there are like ways to create it in hand and it's just got to be in the back of your mind if your lurk opponent's sitting on eight mana yeah yeah and when when i get to the when we get to talking about our boy pike um we'll talk a little bit more about the jawfish as well uh, but there's some flavor on this card too yes and as far as on the jawfish the uh it is another direct quote from pike and this is a little bit of foreshadowing to his story which is ain't nothing like a jawfish to show you who you can trust and who you can kill. And that there we're, we're, we're going to mention like at least one person. All right. We're going to mention one person that we know for a fact that the jawfish and Pike looking at this guy is directly connected. Okay. <laughs> all right. So we'll get to there. Um, and for a special treat in the episode, we get to talk about a landmark 
All right. And the landmark for today is going to be Ripper's Bay. So Ripper's Bay is a one mana landmark with lurk. And when allies attack, obliterate the top card of your deck if it doesn't have lurk. Um, this card has been brought up recently as far as a lot of people talking about it because um, at the point of recording, it was about not a week ago, but a little shy of that, where there was a hot patch to fix the Ripper's Bay um, as far as a bug to where it wasn't processing the obliterate part right. So it would obliterate the top of your deck if it wasn't a lurk card, but then it wouldn't check for lurk. So then you weren't getting the triggers. So even people that were trying to play around and see if this card like was a decent thing for a lurk deck, they weren't getting the payoff for they it. They probably just didn't test it because they knew it would be trash. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, lurk, it, it is worth saying that lurk is an aggressive strategy, and this is a one-mana do-nothing, um, yeah. which aggressive strategy is anything that is like any mana do-nothing. It doesn't fit well, but uh, this this is cool as far as just like the flavor of making sure that you are getting to your lurk cards. But again, um, for us, we're we're here about the lore, and with Bilgewater, the coves are known places of like you go there to die. Like it's, pe people do not come out of these coves in a healthy manner. If you look at the art on the card, you can see um, this. Uh, you can see some snap jaws at the top, and there's also a um, there is also a jaw in there too. So, it's it, like they like these are where like you go to do your secret dealings and stuff like that. And once we get to the end of Pike's story, it's where you go to die. All right, like this that's just straight up what happens, and the, it says so on the flavor text too, where there's always something lurking underneath the water. In always. these coves, always. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah. Speaking of Pike, let's let's get to it. Did you want to talk about the quote at all? Or I, I, I mean, I just mentioned it. it. Yeah, I, I just mentioned it briefly. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about the guy that's giving us these yeah. these quotes. Let's, let's get there. So uh, Pike, the monster hunter himself. So you know, as most stories do in fantasy, he starts as a young man. <laughs> Going through a hard, tough time. The young man in the small village, and he is the chosen one. He is the one. His name, Neo. It's one backwards for those who haven't realized it. <laughs> Shut up. So, no, he starts off as a young man. Unfortunate upbringing. Pretty much like an orphan status kind of thing here. And he spends his most of his time at the slaughter docks. So the slaughter docks are where the unwanted go to find purpose, right? And he, specifically, he's working at Blood Harbor. And the reason it gets this name, Blood Harbor, is because that's where all the slutter, slaughtering happens. Sluttering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Ooh, it, it's getting a little hot in here. <laughs> Down at the slutter docks. <laughs> no. So yeah, <laughs> you know you at the right dock if you see red lights. <laughs> so if anybody's ever been to like a coastal city, there are certain docks where they do the butchering and the sale at the pier, like, like pretty much right up on it. 
um, so that you get the freshest stuff. And like restaurants will be there that will get their stuff from them. Uh, and it's it's a great it's a, it's a fun experience if you've ever been to one. Uh, but this is the same concept here. So it gets the name because it's pretty much unimaginable to clean up the dock because it's constantly covered in blood. So they're like, okay, it's Blood Harbor now. Um, so the specialty about the butchering and where Pike starts to see things is he works hard for these crews that he's not really uh, officially a part of, and he gets little to no pay, right? Little guy gets skimped. It's Bilgewater. Um, People are used to it, and he's aware of how the disparity is between what the captains get paid for these catches versus what the crew members and even the lackeys thereof um, get paid as well. He's tired of it. Tired of being overworked, underpaid. We've all heard it and been there before, right? Uh, so he s- seeks out a crew of his own. Are we talking about Rune Terror or is this a North American story? <laughs> it feels like every episode. <laughs> it feels like every episode it comes back full circle. Oh, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners like, we're here to escape, damn it. What are you doing? Stop. Stop. <laughs> so... When he's seeking out crews, he ends up finding a crew that specializes in what's considered, what's called the traditional Serpent Owl Manor. Um, And this consists of when they attack a target, so they find a beast, uh, they go in with their bare hands and hooks, and they begin butchering the animal as they catch it. So it's as fresh as possible. So if you thought it was fresh when they hit the pier, oh, no, 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 no. We're going for the better catches than that. Yes, yes. Why wait until it gets to the pier? When we can have it now. Exactly. It's, it's the Zoomer model. <laughs> wow. I want it now and I want it to be fast because my attention span can't handle it. <laughs> Shout out to all our Zoomers who are listening right now. Yeah. Uh, we love the support. Please keep yeah, it up. Th- this is uh, Fish Harpooning Prime. Fish Harpooning Prime. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and while he's doing this, he starts to find out, okay, the meat wasn't where the money was. It was the organs, right? That's what's priceless. And that's what's fetching a lot of money. So he refines that technique as he gets older and he becomes a well-known harpooner. And that means people want to work with him, right? Because he's insane, uh, but he does a good job. And he comes back alive. That's the good part, as as Hetch mentioned, because uh, that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. And, uh, especially yeah. when your whole model is built around going into the water with these sea monsters and butchering them alive. Like, <laughs> a lot of people don't come back from that because the sea monsters just don't go, okay, yeah, this is... The, uh, this is what's happening. Y'all, are y'all okay back there? No. No. The sea monsters fight back. Yes. They're not called, they're called monsters for a reason. <laughs> yeah. So we talked about, you know, how high the price is for these fresh catches. And the most popular request is jawfish. A little throwback to what Hetch talked about earlier. And they're mainly known for their jaws and the sacks of saphilite. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, or saphilite. Uh, I'm gonna go with satellite because I yeah. like the way that sounds I mean, a bit more. Uh, like I, um, my my attitude on this has changed over the episodes. Like this is episode fifty. We've been at this <laughs> yeah. for a minute. Um, so you know we say satellite, and that means we've said it right. Like we are now, <laughs> we are in charge of this. Okay, like you're welcome, listener. <laughs> you're welcome. So what satellite is? Are these sack of fluids that are within the gullet, like the mouth of the jawfish. And the fluid that's within it is used and distilled by sorcerers for sorcery. And it fetches an insane amount of money. I mean, we've talked about magic a good bit on the show. Um, we've talked about places that study using magic. And usually have, they usually have coffers that are deep, right? Um, so this leads to them saying, okay, this is going to be our specialty. 
and he gets a moment to uh, revel in a jawfish catch. And not only any jawfish, but one of the biggest and oldest ones they come across. And the crew ends up su- su- securing the jawfish with harpoons, as they do, and Pike doesn't even hesitate. He's a pro at this point. He jumps in face first into the mouth and starts to go to work. Unfortunately, he learns an important lesson here. This crew he's with, like we mentioned, doesn't have a long-term relationship. This is kind of a newer thing for him and this crew, and the captain also isn't a proven captain. Um, He's kind of represented in this story as a newer captain, Uh, and he gets cold feet, right? He's 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 not a weathered old head who's seen it all. Uh, and he's like, cut the line. You never want to hear that. No, no. And and this isn't so much as like cutting the line of like, you know, oh, this is what's holding on to the fish and everything. Uh, since these guys have to go into the monster to do their job, there are the harpoon lines that they cut. Uh, but the guys that go down there are also tied to the boat, too. So someone's lifeline gets cut. Whoever could it be? Oh, no. And this is alongside uh, an event that happened was this jawfish, which we're starting to learn is probably like a mother or like the leading pack, like leader of the pack of jawfish. Um, And the the jawfish that they're fighting bellows and a bunch of other jawfish come up and start attacking the ship. So they're like, all right, not only to cut the line, let's get out of here. And the last thing Pike sees as he's sitting in the mouth of this creature is a shocked face of crew members uh, and the captain's nowhere to be seen and they dip out. Uh, and then the jaw mouth, uh, the jawfish goes about his business, closes his mouth. He's like, all right, dinner, bet, I'm out. Right? <laughs> it was that easy. Um, so now Delicious. he's stuck in there and we kind of get to the next portion of our story, which we, we've had some, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say um, premonitions, but we've seen this in other stories where yes. he's stuck in this confined space. He's being dragged underwater. There's immense pressure from the water around him. Where does this sound familiar? Nautilus. Nautilus. Nautilus yeah. episodes, right? Like mm-hmm. that, it's kind of that similar um, handlement here or handling here. And he's surrounded by the sacks of uh, Saphalite and they're glowing. And he's slowly going into like a delirious state where he's losing his mind. And the only thing he can fixate on is his hardships, everything that's gotten him to this point, and everyone who's wronged him um, to this point. And that starts to eat away at him and eat away at him until he loses his being and becomes uh, a a monster completely fixated on a goal, which yeah. is vengeance. Well, and, I guess this is yeah. is it vengeance and, or revenge? Which one is yeah, it? How's that work? Vengeance. Vengeance. vengeance? Yeah. Okay. The uh, seven mana fast spell. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> the um, and that fixation is important here too because much like with Nautilus, it is. Um, He's fixated on the people that have wronged him, but then there are people that he's never met before that have wronged him. He's getting these echoes, uh, like from these lost voices, whether it be coming from the saphalite within the jawfish or if it's coming from the ocean. Like, no one knows those details, but he's getting these other names, and but he's fixated on them because he knows that they've wronged him somehow. Or they've wronged the voices somehow, or the voice yeah. is mine anymore. And that that's why he's fixated on all these names. So it's time to make a list. Yeah, it's it, it, you know, a little flashback and probably a uh, not flashback, a little callback, um, and probably gonna date us a bit again. Uh, Sixth Sense uh, was a very popular movie. And in that movie, uh, spoilers, 
he can see ghosts and those ghosts use him as a conduit to try to get their um to have their grievances heard right that's kind of what's happening here that's influencing a, a, a person who's going mad as well um so the result and this is another you know so listen to our Nala's episode to get more of this concept and Malachi as well we have a Malachi episode where it kind of talks about the twisting um of one psyche uh, when it comes to being wronged and the the vengeance in this universe is not something to be taken lightly. Um, so w- what happens next? We get a little flash forward here where murders start happening. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. Confetti, Confetti everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it, you know, the, if you've seen like the art of Pike, you know how he plays in League of Legends and stuff. Of course, his story just ends with like flowers and, skipping through a field and everyone's happy no this he starts killing everybody and it's interesting too because in bilgewater that's not like a new thing and then it just becomes a thing where like so many people start dying in a pattern that then the build this city of just constant murder is like now hang on a second these these keep standing out and there's a pattern. Okay, we might actually have a problem here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the, and it's not just like Hetch mentioned, you know, first it starts with captains. And then it's like, okay, cockers. And then it's, okay, first mates. And then bankers. And then all manners of people who are involved in this business, right, at the slaughter docks. And this happens for months. After months, it's consistent. And at that point, people just kind of, like any like anything else in Bilgewater, is like, all right, we got another supernatural vent on our hand. We got to name it. <laughs> We're not going to do anything about it, but we're going to name it. <laughs> and they name it uh, the Blood Harbor Ripper. Yep. And and this is I, I'm so glad that we're finally at this point, because that that is the reason why I call out Ripper's Bay. I don't know for certain if that is the case. I have no evidence to back this up on. But the fact that Pike is a Blood Harbor Ripper Ripper's Bay, this is Pike's Cove. Maybe this is the cove that, like, you know, you send these guys to sleep with the fishes. Instead of sleeping with the fishes, uh, Pike crosses a name off his list. Who knows? Yeah. But and we're not talking about, like, sleeping with, like, not like Nami. Like, this is different. This is this is a different type of sleeping with the wow. fishes. I know, wow. I know we do. <laughs> wow. You're going to rule 34 our show? Rule 34 our show. <laughs> we're kid-friendly sometimes. All right. So... <laughs> The, one one thing that's happening in tandem, and maybe Hedge can talk a bit about this, is this ship that also starts popping up called the Terror. Um, we have a card called Terror of the Tides. We didn't really do it this episode. We'll talk about that in a later episode. But it's a ship that sometimes pops up and causes just as much havoc in the seas. It eats other ships. And people are starting to think, well, you know, the if Pike is the Blood Harbor Ripper and then he used to jump in the jaws of, you know, monsters... Maybe in Ripper's Bay, he somehow got a ship and that ship got twisted with him and like all that kind of stuff, right? So you're getting this grand lore around just Pike himself. And the crazy part about it is this whole time, no one has seen him or the ship or returned from Ripper Bay. So it's like, what's going on there, right? What's going on there? The mind's kind of racing and filling in the gaps. Yeah, and I think it's something that we can definitely look into more like when we get deeper into the show, because, you know, there's there's a whole thing that we haven't really talked about. And that's like how the harrowing affects Bilgewater. Mm -hmm. Like and there there's a lot that kind of like 
bleeds into that, but it's a story for another time. Like yeah. right now, all we've got are just the questions of like, yeah. keep so listening and you, you'll, you'll get the answers sooner or later. Yeah. Um, but like, but yeah. what's the card? What's the card? Well, well, the, the card here is pretty interesting. I think they did a good job. I, unfortunately, like I didn't get to play. I wasn't playing league when Pike came out. I was aware of him coming out, uh, but people did like his reveal and how he played and his style because it was different um, from, from a lot of the cards we have. So Pike is a four cost two three, so understated. Uh, he has quick attack and lurk, and he has when I lurk, transfer me, transform me into death from below. And his level up condition is allied pikes have dealt fifteen plus damage. Um, and then once he flips, he still has the same attributes. Um, and then he also has when I kill an enemy, I strike the weakest enemy. Uh, yeah. Uh so as far as like this flip with the strike striking the weakest enemy, um, like we we were talking about it with Jawfish and as far as like with Lurk, that whole mechanic is that they just get big and they just get big, they just get bigger. And so if Pike flips and Pike kills something, that's a board wipe. Like uh, like I ten times out of ten that with, with a flipped pike, that's a straight up board wipe. Um, so it is really cool as far as seeing like Pike being like a champion being the absolute best board wipe that a region gets because uh, like Bilgewater doesn't have like a lot of board wipes unless you somehow get like five powder kegs and a, and a god tier make it rain like yeah. it's that, that's, that's something that's unique but then like on top of that not only is he unique in that regard he gets two like he gets two sp- champion spe- specific spells. Because if you have the duplicate pike, you get a bone skewer. But then, like, the death from below is what he transforms into when he lurks, which is a spell. So you don't, if he lurks, you don't draw a pike. You draw death from below, and that is a fast speed summon pike striking an enemy. Which, you know, goes into him leveling up, or if he's already leveled up, that's just the beginning of your board wipe. Like, it's Pike is an extremely unique card that is sadly shoehorned in such a narrow mechanic as far as your card game is concerned right now. Yep. Because you can't play him outside of Lurk. He's, he's got to have Lurk. Yeah, so. yeah. He, he's, he's, he's lost in the sauce that is the flavor. <laughs> he's lost in the sauce but yeah. like within that sauce he's by far the most unique thing in that sauce so it's like it's like a sauce made with like um with five spice you know like <laughs> uh, it's like you, you kind of get like that first hit and it's just like it's, was that um was that clove no <laughs> not clove no it's a little it has more depth than that like he, he's the five spice of the the curry blend <laughs> So we get some flavor on these cards naturally. I mean, even though the card themselves have enough expression, um, we get a quote here on the first half of Pike, which says, the visions are back again. I see his desperate eyes looking up at me whilst the jawfish closed its maw around him. We tried pulling, but the ship was too small. The beast was too big. I had no choice. I had to cut his line. I had to. So this is an interesting angle from it because the the way it's represented is, you know, this is an untested captain. It doesn't say it's so much a malicious captain, right? It's, he might have just been an upstart in a situation that was too um, big for his britches. 
um, or two over his head. And this is quoted as the blood-soaked letter. So we do know that Pike did get his revenge on this captain. Uh, so I think that's a little bit of a, that's an interesting take and an interesting approach on kind of resolving that immediate conflict. Yeah, it it also like kind of gives like that feeling of um that. Uh, because Nautilus has like a similar kind of feel to it as well, where you can empathize as far as with the situation of the hero or well of the champion, but while also recognizing um, their actions aren't necessarily good. <laughs> like, like again, like he, the, it's a green captain, right? Like he's, he has no idea what he's really doing and he made what he thought was the best call. And there were consequences for the best call. And now he's dying for it. Like, it's like, oh, you know, like, what would I have done to that situation? I don't know. But yeah, but like, I probably would have cut a line, too, and just got out so that I knew I could live another day. And little would I know that that meant that I wouldn't live another day. Like, that's it. it, it I, it's good it's writing. Good, it's very it's good, good writing. writing. Th- this yeah. is this is story building at its yeah. finest. This is working for it. <laughs> this is getting that paycheck. Gotta get that money. Yeah. So when we get Pike flipped, we get more here that kind of reinforces what Hedge talked about earlier, which is we get first he came for his old crew, then other captains, then cheaters, gamblers, and drunkards. Pike's craving for revenge slowly gave way to a newfound lust for murder. Now, instead of only listing those who once wronged him, his growing manifest only illustrates the Pike or what Pike has become. And to Hedge's point, he's losing himself. He's being lost in the sauce of not just what he originally planned on doing, but he's essentially becoming a caricature of himself. He's becoming a sea monster. Yeah. And to return to the first quote that we said from Pike, you've got a name and I've got a list. All right. Like it's the, it wants that, that list is not going to be finished because Pike does not want that list to end. Yep. He's going to keep finding names to add to it. And then he's going to drag you down into the depths and let the snap jaws and the jawfish take care of you. Yeah. And it goes back to our title, Monster Hunter. Think mm. about it. So we're at that point in the episode where I usually have a question and or challenge for Hetch. Uh, and crap. for today, I'm not sure if we talked about this. But we probably talked about this at some point um, tangentially. Uh, but what fish or sea creature are you most afraid of? I'll go first. Um, is it octopus or octopi? <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of James Bond movies throughout uh, my time. <laughs> If you get that joke, like and subscribe. <laughs> Send us that six-star review. That was really good. All right, but so so you're afraid of the octopus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they're too smart. They're too smart. I know what they're capable of. I don't know what they're thinking. That's also bad. Like they don't have. There's no history of motives for them. But I know that you know they can do some damage. Obviously, in in your um, Cthulhuan or your Cthulhu type lore, 
um, your Lovecraftian stuff. The octopus is very amalgamated in a lot of different ways to uh, push terror into people's hearts because of that intelligence. It's, it's a very good vehicle for storytelling in that space. It's just my whole, I, I've never felt comfortable with their existence. And the more I know about them, the less comfortable I am. <laughs> I wish I knew nothing. I wish I was ignorant of their capabilities, but I'm watching them watch me, and that's that's currently my adventure. <laughs> all right, all right. So if Alawi gets added into Rune Terror, what you're telling me is I I'm in charge of that episode. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. <laughs> Solo episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I am very much a like I I keep this clean and simple. Uh, I am definitely afraid of sharks. Um, I'm I'm not ignorant enough to be afraid of all sharks uh because it's like you know like your sand sharks um and then the hammerheads and even like a couple like uh a couple of the species like you know like the great white and stuff it's like i don't live anywhere indigenous for a great white like they would have to migrate over here which has happened but um like even then like they're relatively docile as far as like the sharks are concerned but i you know my people come from the caribbean the tiger sharks are indigenous to the caribbean waters um and they are terrifying well, good thing the american and, immigration system sucks because there's no chance of them coming here anytime soon <laughs> ain't that the truth uh, <laughs> sharks yeah. stay where you at stay where you at you stay in those waters but no i like I, I've watched. I love watching Shark Week, like because they are fascinating creatures, and I love learning more about them. And still, like I will watch Shark Week with my dad, and we will get out tape measures. Like we'll get out the, like, oh, the tape, no. and we'll and we'll measure out. And it's like, oh, so like what? They can grow up to like fifteen feet, and oh we'll like God. I'll hold one end, he'll hold the other. We'll get it to fifteen feet, and then we'll look at each other like, no, hell no, no, Just never again. Never get, I'm never getting in the water again. <laughs> Drain the pool, honey. Drain the We're pool. selling the house. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I keep it simple. I'm afraid of sharks. Okay, okay. I think that's one a lot of people can relate to. Um, but yeah, with that, as always, thank you for listening. This was a fun one. I mean, they're oh, all yeah. fun. We have a good time, and you guys have no, a good time. I, us, which, which is, which is I, I, I've said it before, but like the Bilgewater stories are yeah. always fun. So I, I can't wait to dive into more of it. Oh um, no, he did not. <laughs> With that, thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon with the next episode. All right, take care, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>